0: Hey all, welcome back to the Real Life Pharmacology Podcast. I'm your host, pharmacist, Eric Christensen. Thank you for listening today. I greatly appreciate it. As always, go check out reallifepharmacology.com. We've got a top 200 study guide. It's 31 pages. Uh, Definitely highlights some of the most important clinical pearls that you're going to come across in practice. Uh, as well as things that often show up on board exams or pharmacology exams throughout your career. So uh, go check that out, reallifepharmacology.com. All right, the drug of the day today is lorazepam. Brand name of this medication is Ativan, and it is a drug that I definitely see used a lot in practice. Particularly the most frequent situation I see it used is management of anxiety, And more specifically, even than that, uh, I definitely see it uh, prescribed as needed a lot in hospice patients. Mechanistically, what does this drug do? It enhances the action of GABA. And if you remember from your physiology, GABA is an inhibitory type neurotransmitter. So by enhancing that action, you could imagine it's going to Uh, creates some sedation, some lethargy, and things of of that nature as we're trying to uh, manage symptoms of anxiety and agitation, for example. Uh, Other potential indications that I have seen it used for, uh, neuroleptic malignant syndrome and serotonin syndrome, those are a couple of really rare situations uh, that happen due to uh, adverse drug reactions, as you could probably guess from uh, serotonin-related drugs, and then neuroleptic malignant syndrome would be from, um, typically from antipsychotic medications. Uh, A couple others, uh, chemotherapy-induced nausea and vomiting, uh, particularly anticipatory. That is an indication uh, for benzodiazepines like lorazepam. Seizures. There is an injectable formulation of lorazepam, so uh, naturally giving IV lorazepam uh, can help with management of uh, status epilepticus or an acute seizure type situation. Uh, other dosage forms with lorazepam, uh, most commonly, I'm I'm going to see used oral dosage forms, zero uh, point five to two milligrams are the dosage forms. Uh, in geriatric patients, uh, the dosing that I typically see is usually no more than one milligram at a time, but it's more like you know 0.25 to 0.5 milligram uh, dosages. Younger patients, you might see it pushed up a little bit, again, depending upon what the indication is as well. Uh, so oral, again, tablet, most common dosage form. I mentioned the the IV or injectable is available. That's 2 milligrams per mil and 4 milligrams per mil. Uh, And then there is an oral uh, liquid called Ativan Intensol, by the the brand name there, and that is 2 milligrams per mil. So if you give somebody a fourth of a mil, so 0.25 mils, uh, that's going to be equivalent to 0.5 milligrams One thing to note about the IV formulation or the injectable formulation is um, some of them may have polyethylene glycol and that can cause some toxicity if a patient gets too much of that in their system. So basically what I think you should remember is if you've got a patient that's been getting IV or injectable Ativan for a long period of time, or higher doses for a longer period of time uh, there is the potential uh, for polyethylene glycol accumulation and toxicity so uh, pay attention to that for those folks that are uh, requiring um, iv uh, lorazepam for a a longer than usual uh, period of time Uh, adverse drug reactions uh, i historically remember alcohol and a pill uh, sedation fall risk ataxia slurred speech, uh, confusion, cognitive and slowing, impairment, um, judgment, thought issues. Uh, Those are are all um, definitely indicative of potential adverse effects from lorazepam. They are dose dependent. The higher the dose, the more and more likely you're going to uh, snow somebody and and make them more and more sedated. That's just the way the drug works there. Uh, It is on the uh, beers list. Uh, driving risks, falls risk, fracture risk uh, associated with those falls. Uh, so definitely uh, pay attention to that in our geriatric patients and try to avoid a drug like uh in our geriatric patients. They can definitely cause some issues. Uh, it is a Schedule 4 controlled substance, so addiction dependence uh, is certainly possible. Uh, there are boxed warnings. Uh, particularly with use of opioids and uh, the risk for overdose, uh, excessive sedation, things of that nature. Uh, risk for addiction, abuse, dependence, withdrawal. Those are also warnings. Uh, with that said, I wanted to mention uh, tapering a little bit. That's a question that that comes up in practice. You know, how do I get this patient off the benzodiazepine? They've been on it for years, and I want to start to taper them. Um, most will start in the ballpark of probably 20 to 25 percent reduction. Now, this can vary based upon you know patient experience, clinician experience, you know patient preference, what they want to do. Um, but usually, a ballpark reduction initially of of 20 to 25 percent uh, every one to two weeks is a, a reasonable place reasonable place to consider starting anyway. Um, and you can certainly uh, gauge how that's going uh, by working with the patient and, and paying attention to them there. Pharmacokinetics, uh, lorazepam does have, uh, is classified as an intermediate acting benzodiazepines, benzodiazepine. And with that comes a half-life in the teens range. So uh, 12 to 18 was the, the figure I saw listed on my research here. Uh, so that's not a crazy long time. The nice thing about lorazepam compared to uh, maybe diazepam or Valium, for for example, it doesn't have uh, any active metabolites. And that's particularly troublesome generally in geriatric patients. Uh, so that can definitely be a, a big positive with lorazepam versus diazepam, which you have to worry about. Uh, kind of accumulation and that drug lingering for a longer period of time. Now, I will say going back to tapering, the shorter the half-life for a drug, generally the harder it is uh, to taper. Um, and that I think makes sense because that drug disappears from the body quickly, and we don't really get you know more of an even leveled uh, disappearance of the the drug levels if that makes sense there. Uh, onset of action is going to be pretty quick. Uh, even with oral, it's probably 20 to 30 minutes. Uh, IV, you know, we're, we're giving it. Uh, intravenous, it's going to be quick. It's going to be uh, onset typically of less than 10 minutes, which makes sense why we can use it uh, for management of, of an acute seizure there. Uh, with renal function, we usually don't have to make too many adjustments with renal function. So uh, that's a nice thing um, with lorazepam there. All right, let's take a quick break from our sponsor and we'll wrap up with drug interactions. If you're looking to take NAPLEX, BCPS, ambulatory care, geriatric, psychiatric exam, or the BCMTMS exam, uh, go check out meded101.com slash store, S-T-O-R-E. We've got a great list of resources there that have helped uh, literally thousands of people. Uh, pass their board exams. So uh, go check that out, support the sponsor, Uh, get some great study content as well that's going to help you uh, prepare uh, to pass the exam that you need to pass. If you're a nurse, nurse practitioner, med student, we've got resources for you as well. Uh, Perils of Polypharmacy, recent book I put out based upon my experience in geriatrics, Great resource if you're a practicing clinician. Uh, Same thing with uh, my Drug Interactions book in Primary Care. You can find that on Amazon. Uh, great examples of real-world situations that you're going to find in those books. And then, of course, I've got the MedEd 101 Guide to Nursing Pharmacology. If you're a nursing student, that's probably the one you're going to want to pick up. Uh, and it's just really helpful for notes and some of the most important things that you're actually going to see in practice, and therefore, like, you're uh, most likely to be tested on as well. So uh, go check all those links out, meded101.com store, S-T-O-R-E. All right, wrapping up with drug interactions. There are a lot of drug interactions listed with lorazepam, but I will say the overwhelming majority are pretty simple and pretty straightforward. The risk with lorazepam and other medications is CNS sedation. So basically any drug with sedative type properties is going to add on to the sedative Type properties of lorazepam. So, uh, your older antihistamines, uh, diphenhydramine, hydroxyzine, uh, tricyclic antidepressants are sedating. Uh, antidepressant trazodones, another good example. Antipsychotics are sedating. Opioids, uh, other sleepers, Z-drugs, melatonin. All these drugs can have additive effects on top of lorazepam and can potentially uh, increase the the risk for over-sedating our patient. And then lastly, I wanted to hit this point twice because it really is important. Um, Benzodiazepines and opioids, we really do our best to try to avoid using these together. And there's significant risks... Uh, by increasing the risk for overdose, uh, coma, excessive sedation, and ultimately death if the dose is high enough of these two medications being used together. So uh, be really, really careful with that. Um, You will see certain situations in practice, I know I have, where they are being used together. Uh, But we've got to be really, really careful uh, with these medications. You want to make sure if you are using them together, minimize the dose and possibly or hopefully try to taper off uh, at least uh, one of them in that situation if you can do it. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap up the podcast for today. Thank you so much for listening. Leave us a rating review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. That's greatly appreciated. Uh, Share us with friends, colleagues, preceptors, other healthcare professionals uh, that may benefit from some pharmacology education. Uh, Go subscribe at www.realaypharmacology.com. Get that free 31-page PDF, top 200 study guide, uh, and you might as well take advantage of some of the resources at meded101.com slash store as well. Uh, with that, if you want to reach me, Eric Christensen, PharmD, BCPS, BCGP. You can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, connect with me there. Otherwise, you can find me mededucation101 at gmail.com. Thanks so much. I'm going to sign off. I hope you have a great rest of your day.